It's an absolute privilege to be able to share with you. Hello. Are you happy to be at Equip 2021? It's an absolute blessing. It's great to have Maria with me. And um, our kids, obviously, are, are at home with my parents. And I'm so, so excited about what God is doing in this region. I'm actually a little bit envious. I'm like, Lord, one day I would like to be part of something like this. I'm, every single time I come to KZN, it feels like I step into a different uh, world. Because you guys are like on fire, you're always passionate, you just carry something of a generosity, an open heart. Uh, just thank you for the meal. Thank you. Can we just thank God for everyone that served and got this ready? Can we just maybe give God praise? It's really awesome. I mean, it's, it's absolutely amazing. And I was going to phone Tyron tonight to say, Tyron, you've got that anointing on you that there's so much power on Tyron that no one else needs power. So it's, so it's absolutely amazing. And um, hey, thank you for the privilege. Thank you that I get to share I don't know who that guy is that this guy spoke about, but anyway, it's all right. Can I pray for us? Because we need it. Is that all right? Jesus, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your life. Right here in this room, God, even, even in the worship, just when the power went out, it was like you could sense the real power. And uh, God, I, I want to thank you that there's an appointment that you have for each and every one of us, that a great door of effective ministry has opened for all of us, God that we have spheres of influence, that we have areas that you can impact through our lives, God. And I want to pray that when we come to your word, when we come to your spirit, Holy Spirit, that you will come and make these words alive. And we'll hear what the spirit of God is saying to the churches in northern KwaZulu-Natal. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. I want to tell you that there's such an excitement because I, I don't know, I was like, I didn't know what Tyron's preaching about, but it seems like I was going to preach about compa uh, compassion tonight. Uh, because I got uh, the download. Did you, get the, did you watch your leadership uh, podcast this morning? If you did not watch it, you've been missing out. I watch the Mustard Seed Leadership Podcast every week, and uh, I love it. So thank you, Brent, for that. It's really awesome. And so, um, but then I decided I will not preach his message. I'll rather just preach uh, Jesus' message. Is that okay? No, I was just joking. I was just joking. <laughs> so, but I want to tell you that my friend Brent, he, is, um, he rides off-road, motocross. Am I right? Motorbike, motorbike, sorry, he's not like that. So what he does is he goes on these off-road, and now sometimes you come to church with, with your, with your, with your, with your off-road bike, and you on-roaded it, am I right? Come on, that's amazing. So my, my two friends, Murdoch, he's on eldership with us, and my other friend, Glenn, they took me out one Saturday. They said, listen, Mark, we would like to give you an opportunity to go and feel what it feels like. And so the golden rule with riding an off-road motorbike, the golden rule is that if you're in trouble, just open that throttle. If you're in trouble, honestly, that's what they tell me. They tell me, listen, if you're going to play it safe, you're going to get hurt. They tell me, listen, if you're going up, I remember once going up the steep thing. I've got a video of it to prove. I feel very proud of it. But I remember going up the steep thing and literally what happened is I said, Mark, whatever you do, just don't hesitate. If you hesitate, you're going to fall and you're going to your scene, right? So what happens is that's how my friends speak to me. I don't speak like that, but my friends speak. So what happens was I'm, I'm on this motorbike, and, and I mean, like, I'm scared, you know, like, I'm like, and, and they're all going for it, and I'm thinking, okay, I've, I've got to do this, you know. So I open that throttle, and I mean, literally, I hoid it so heavy, right? I almost went off the other side, you know. They're like, whoa, whoa, it's enough. But I've learned this. I've learned that if I hesitate, that if I played it safe, I would, be, I would get hurt. Playing it safe is not playing it safe. 
I remember going through this. It's like a deep, like it's a deep, like a puddle of water. It's like muddy. It's like a road. It's like just after it rained. And so as the guys go through it, they tell me, listen, Mark, if you do kind of fall in the mud, the water's going to go into your exhaust from the back. And then what we're going to do is we're going to have to come and pull you out. And actually your day is gone. We're going to have to put it on a trailer, the motorbike on a trailer, and you're not going anywhere. We're going to have to go and drain it at home. So they spoke the fear of God into me. So what we did is I decided to just, as you go in, you just literally just keep moving. You just do not stop. You just do not play it safe. No matter what you hit, you just keep on opening the throttle. Hello? I think too many believers hear a message like Tyron spoke tonight. And we hear about a great effective door of ministry that's open for us. And yet, we've become professional at playing it safe. We've become good at closing the throttle and saying, no, no, I just don't want to fall. It's exactly then when you fall. It's exactly then when you get stuck in the mud. It's exactly at that point in time where you miss the call of God, the purpose of God, the plan of God, the partnership that God's called you to, because each and every one of us are called for, for ministry. Can you tell the person next to you, you are called for ministry? Every single one of us are called. Honestly, I mean, like, I'm amazed at how many people think, no, Mark Newman is, I know Mark Newman is the most amazing it means, I mean, listen, listen, guys. Like, if one day when I grow up, I want to be like Mark Newman. I mean, serious. Like, have you ever seen this guy on a camera? That's what I feel like when I watch him on camera. It's like, I'm like, this guy's so amazing, right? Honestly. Honestly, Mark Newman is like, if I really want something to look good, I'm just like, Mark, please come and tell me. Mark and Cindy, yeah, do that. Do that. When we did our building, Mark had to come and tell me what to do. I'm telling you. And you, when you, it's amazing. So here's the thing. Not everyone, just because Mark's amazing, doesn't mean that he's the only one that's called. He's called to something different. He's got a grace and a gift upon his life. And there's obviously fruit. But just because it doesn't look like Mark Newman doesn't mean you're not called. Just because you don't look like Dudley Daniel or Tyron Daniel or, or Grant Crawford doesn't mean that you're not called. The problem is that many people are abdicating the call of God. They're stepping away from the call of God. God is opening doors of effective ministry, but you're not walking through your door because you're playing it safe. You're playing it safe. I'd like to just touch on this amazing thing. Jesus comes in Matthew chapter 25, and uh, you see how he brings his, he, speaks, he tells a parable about the master that's going on a journey. And what he does is he gets these three guys together and he gives them talents. Some translation says he gave them five ta- one five talents, the other one two talents, the other one one talent. And then they come back, and the one with five talents, what does he do? Sam, he, ge- he gets five more. He multiplies it. Right? He's full throttle. He's, he's not playing it safe. The second guy comes, and he multiplies his talents. So obviously, the master comes to the last one, and the last one is quite impressed, but he's also quite cautious. Because at least he didn't lose what the master gave him. So at least he brought back, I mean, I would think in the new South Africa, I would think to my, myself, is like, at least the guy didn't steal it. I'm just being honest. I'm, forgive me, I'm just like thinking to myself, like, 
like a politician, like Tre- Trevor Noah would say, you know, a functional corrupt- corruption and unfunctional cor- corruption, right? So what happens is the guy brings about, he brings exactly what the master gave him. He brings it back to the master. Just like the Lord gave you children. And what are you going to bring back to your father? Just like the Lord gave you influence at work. And what are you going to give back to your father? Just like the Lord gave you gifts and he gave you abilities and he gave you passion and he gave you vision and he gave you a local church to be a part of. What are you going to give back to your father? Just like he gave you a revelation of his son that died on the cross for you. What are you going to give back to your father with what he's given you? And the message translation challenges us because the message translation says the master was furious. Now I wonder what my father would look like, would, would, would feel like when I bring back what he's asked me to multiply. He says that's a terrible way to live. Can you say terrible? It's amazing how Eugene Peterson puts it. He says it's criminal. See, this sounds like corruption. It's criminal to live cautiously like that. If you knew I was after the best, why did you do less than the least? The least you could have done is, uh, have been to invest the sum with the bankers where at least I would have gotten a little interest. Take the thousand. The, the, the message translation says 5,000, 2,000, 1,000. He says, take the thousand. Take what I gave this one. And you know what? The Father, our Master in heaven, our King of glory, He does not just give us what we, what's, what's not according to our ability. He gives us based on our ability. He doesn't expect the unexpected. He doesn't expect, He's not unfair with us. He knows the grace that you've got. He knows the influence you've got. He knows the abilities you've got. And he says, he says, give, take what I've, what, away from this one. And he says, give it to the one who risked the most. And get rid of this, play it safe. Who won't go out on a limb, throw him into utter dark, darkness. Now, I'm not saying that, uh, that I want to build a whole theology on a parable. But I do believe that there's something that you and I need to grasp tonight is that when jesus entrusts you with something he's going to ask you to give account if he trusts you with a life he's going to ask you to give an account if he's put you in a local church he's going to ask you to give an account if he's given you a revelation of his son he's going to ask you to give an account if he's opened a door of effective ministry to you he's going to ask you to give an account and for me i asked the lord i said lord What's the issue here? Why did the, the guy with the one talent, or like the message translation would say, with a thousand, why, why did he not put it to work? Why did he not take the risk? And the Lord said this to me. He said, it's an issue of trust. The reason why people don't walk through open doors is because they struggle to believe me. We struggle to trust our king. We struggle to look at his track record over our lives. We struggle, we forget the lions and the bears, and so we will not face the Goliaths. We forget the, the Red Seas that opened, so we will not face Jericho. We will not take hold of our Jerichos. Because we forget how God, we forget how God performed 10 plagues in Egypt and gave us victory in the past. And you know what? The enemy's got an amazing way to remind you of your failures, but he, but he also helps you forget of God's goodness and God's faithfulness. Amen? I believe that playing it safe is the unsafest thing you can do with your life. Amen? But stepping out in faith is the safest thing 
that you can do. I think of every single time Maria and I have invited people into our home, and then, then we ask them to share their life with us. Sometimes it's married couples that are needing a breakthrough. Sometimes it's, it's people with their children. Sometimes it's just discipleships. People are needing, needing just to get a greater glimpse of Jesus. And when we bring them into our homes, sometimes, friends, I see how Jesus touches their lives. And I'm thinking to myself, all I did was I made my home available. I made a night of the week available for Jesus to come and multiply the talents that he's entrusted to me. Just over 12 years ago, Marie and I got an open door into a city called Klerksdorp. And uh, my mom and dad were living in Potchefstroom, and we had another couple, a friend of ours, Baptist and Sean, and the six of us decided, and I remember Mark and Cindy were actually at our first gathering. We decided to have gatherings on Saturday afternoon just to try and see if anyone would ever come to this church. And there were six of us, and unfortunately Mark and Cindy came, and when they just sprinkled their blessing on it, it just grew, you know, like... But I'm saying, 12 and a half years ago, 12 and a half years ago, we moved to a city from Johannesburg. And God did miracles just because we stepped through a door. Just because we said, Lord, here I am. I know in myself I'm nothing. I know I speak like a boor. If I speak English, I sound like a Dutchman. And if I speak Afrikaans, I sound like a Roynak. I'm in, I'm in trouble. But the truth is, I just stepped through a great and open door. And Jesus did supernatural things. Amen? I want to tell you this. Have you ever heard of a, of, a, of, a, of a young man called Elisha? He was Elijah's protege. So he followed Elijah. Now in 1 Kings 19, you see Elijah, just after Elijah call, called down fire down from heaven, Elijah just prayed and it started raining. So Elijah sets off and he starts looking for someone that's going to step into more than what Elijah was walking in. And so Elijah gives Elisha a glimpse of what Elisha can be part of. And I don't have time to read it tonight, but I believe that Elisha gets an opportunity. Elijah comes past Elisha, and Elisha is right there busy with the family business. He's busy minding his own business. He's busy plowing with oxen. They've got 12 pairs of oxen. It seems like there's workers. It seems like there's some success. They're farming, and this is his family business. But while he's doing this, Elijah walks past, and Elijah's not coaxing him. Elijah's not trying to convince him. Elijah's not trying to impress him. Or even Elijah's not trying to manipulate him. Elijah just gives him a glimpse of what he can walk in. And I'm here to say to you that God will not force you through the open doors that he'll open up for you. God will also not force you into your calling and your destiny, and he'll not force you to overcome playing it safe. God will not force you, but he will invite you. It might be on a Monday morning. After a staff meeting, when you see someone needs prayer, and then you're like, okay, Lord, am I going to pray or am I not going to pray? It might be at night before your children go to bed that you're tired and you've had a long day, but the Holy Spirit is beckoning you into your children's home, into your, in your children's room to just have a prayer, a time of prayer, a time of ministering God's love, a time of trusting God with your children. There might be a moment that you just need to say, God, I'm going to step through that open door. Friends, sometimes we think stepping into the call of God is something I'm going to do one day. It's going to, I'm going to go and plant a church one day. Friends, that inevitably happens over time if you walk through the small little open doors that God opens for you every day of your life. My friend Peter Rasmussen says this. He says the mistake that most believers make is they hold their breath. Waiting for God to open a door for them one day. 
waiting for sometimes if Billy Graham can just put in a good word for me from heaven because he's not on earth anymore just so that I can go and preach at that stadium that Brent was talking about. No, friends. What about in that coffee shop today? What about that waitress that's serving you? What about that cashier that's, 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 that's helping you right there? What about that person? What about that sister-in-law that needs your prayers right now? The door of effective ministries today. What about Sunday morning when you're greeting someone at the door or you're in the car park or there's a time of ministry and you step out and you say, I'm going to encourage someone. We, we think it's this big thing. Friends, you know, what, you know how you step through the big doors? Is you step through the small ones daily. And then eventually you start finding the doors just get bigger and bigger. I thought I was going to get an amen, an a woman or a something. So what happens to Elisha? Elisha gets a glimpse of what he can step into because Elijah puts his cloak on Elisha and Elisha says to Elijah, first let me kiss my mother and father goodbye. Let me just first, listen, I want to follow you, but on my terms. And sometimes we say to God, God, I'll, I'll respond to your call in my life, but on my terms. And then Elijah says, I'm not going to dictate to you. I will not convince you. I will not force you. So Elisha realizes, listen, Elijah means business. So Elisha goes and he literally, he chops off, he takes the, the, the plowing equipment, he chops that up, and then he slaughters the cows, feeds the, the, the workers, and he follows Elijah. He burns his past. There's no, no back, he's not no running back. And you know, the Bible says he did not become the great prophet of God immediately. You know what he became? He became Elijah's servant. And the first day that he stepped into his calling and into something of that prophetic calling, that national calling, when he stood before kings, you know what he was known for? He wasn't known for his prophetic words. He was known as one that poured water on the hands of Elijah. See, we want to be, be trusted with much, but we don't want to be faithful with a little. You want to step into the call of God in your life? Be faithful today. Amen? Now, Elijah had a choice to make. Elisha, he could have stayed with the known or he could have embraced the unknown. He could have stayed with the status quo or he could have embraced what God had for him. He could have stayed with the natural or he, or he could have embraced the supernatural. He could have stayed with easy and predictable, like Tyron said, or he could embrace difficult, challenging, and unpredictable. I just heard you guys, this, this region, you guys went to Freya just re recently. Free Am I right? Come on, give it up for, for the team that went to Freyad. I'm amazed at how much God does when you and I go. When we're just willing to let go of the known and embrace the unknown. Our kids, we had a church, we had a, we had a team that went last weekend to another, another part of our country. My two kids, younger two kids went. Now, I have taken my kids to Disneyland. I paid a lot of money for it. I was expecting bigger smiles. I'm sorry, I was disappointed. It was a lot of money. And they were tired at the end of the day. And my wife, whoo, she was also tired. Hello. So I took my kids. I sent them on the outreach. They come back on Saturday. I'm going there to pick my kids up. And there's this couple, Daniel and Cookie Moodley. And they, my kids drove with Daniel and Cookie. And as Daniel and Cookie came out, they stopped and they took the, put the, the, the window down. And Daniel was smiling from ear to ear, my man. And Cookie was like, wah! 
I'm like, yo, you've just been on an outreach. You've been sleeping there in the, in, like in rural places, and it's been uncomfortable and dirty and, and not known. And Daniel's smiling, and he's saying, Mark, my life is never, will never be the same again. And I thought to myself, what? I'm going to pick my kids up now. I wonder if they're tired. My kids jump into my car. It looks like they've been to Disneyland. Better. I'm serious. My 13-year-old just can't stop talking about the people that got saved and the people that got touched by God and how he did door-to-door evangelism. My 13-year-old friends, they've stepped through a door of effective ministry. Can you give God praise? Will you embrace the adventure that God's got for you? Or are you going to stay playing it safe in front of your Netflix on a Saturday night for the rest of your life? Now you might say, but Mark, I mean, there's some barriers to letting go. There's some barriers in order for me to stop playing it safe. How do I overcome? Because I'm so used to everything in life. Everything tells me, play it safe. Just keep it here. Just keep it here. Keep it here. Just keep it here. Friends, Jesus has not called us to keep it here. He's called us to let go. And you know why people don't let go? I believe we learned this in Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah, the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 6 verse 1, it says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, and his train filled the temple. And the angels cried, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God. Remember that? He says, he says, he says, and then I said, woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. I'm not good enough in myself. I'm here to say to you, it's, you're in awesome company if you feel like you're not good enough for the call of God in your life. If you feel like you want to play it safe because you're not good enough, you're in great company. Because all the great men of God and the women of God that have ever been used by God were never felt good enough. Because in ourselves, we will never be good enough. Amen. But what happens with Isaiah? Isaiah, the Bible says, he says, he says, Firstly, first, first, first step to overcoming yourself and overcoming your fear and letting go of playing it safe. The first step is you've got to see the Lord. It starts with seeing Jesus. Have you seen the one that didn't play it safe? I know a man that didn't play it safe. I know a man that could have stayed in glory. I know a man that could have kept it all for himself. I know a man that said, Lord, Father, let's send an angel because I'm not going. I know a man that could have said, Lord, my will, not your will be done. I know a man that said, man, I'm not going to die for them. Let's just create new human beings. I know a man that could have said that, but he didn't. He didn't play it safe. Jesus didn't play it safe, friends. And if you see the one that didn't play it safe, guess what happens? You get delivered from playing it safe. Count von Zinzendorf was walking in an art gallery. And in this art gallery, he did not know Jesus. He did not have a revelation with Jesus. And he saw a picture, he saw a painting with Jesus Christ on the cross. And as he saw this painting, at the bottom of the painting, it said, This is what I did for thee. What will thou do for me? And he fell on his knees in the art gallery and he says, Jesus Christ became the Lord of my life because I saw what he did for me. I saw how he didn't play it safe. And the Moravian movement started and thousands and thousands of people got saved. And multiple churches were planted because a man saw the risen Christ, the one that crucified Christ and the one that died and rose again for him. Can you give God praise? 
it starts with seeing him. Secondly, Isaiah says, the angels worshipped. I believe it's worship that unlocks mission. When I worship him, when I see him, I'll worship him. And in, in Matthew chapter 16, uh, uh, Tyrant spoke about being commissioned. Matthew 16, I believe Jesus always says come before he says go. Because Matthew chapter 28 verse 16, it says he called them to a place, to a mountain. He called them to himself and then they worshipped. It was actually in an environment of worship that Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go and make disciples. The problem with most people is they want to make disciples out of duty and not out of beauty. They make disciples not out of response to the glory of God, but for the glory of man. And there's no life there. You cannot make disciples out of your own will. You've got to make disciples out of glory, the glory of God. And then, then listen to what happens. Out of that place of worship, he hears the voice of God. I've learned this, friends, is that without worship, I believe without seeing Jesus and without worshiping him, we're going to struggle to hear him. And the reason why most people are not stepping out in faith and why most people are not walking through their open doors is they don't have faith. And faith only comes when you hear God. Romans ten seventeen says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen? And then verse, verse 8 says, Isaiah 6 verse 8, it says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I. Send me. If you spend time seeing Jesus, worshiping Jesus, listening to Jesus, you'll be able to say, here I am. Send me. And this is not something that you do once in your life, friends. This is something we do every morning of our lives. Could we live a life on mission? Could we live a life where we're like, Lord, every morning in my life, Jesus, I want to hear your voice beckoning me. Lord, yes, I'm called to my family. Yes, Lord, I'm called to the workplace. Yes, Lord, I'm called to that school. I'm not just in that school. Yes, Lord, I'm called to that university. Yes, Lord, I'm called to those friends. Yes, God, I'm called to this local church. Friends, if you are in a local church, if you find yourself right now in solid ground church, I'm telling you today, you're called to that local church. Until Jesus says otherwise, stay planted in your local church. If you're in Outlook, if you, what's, what's your church name again, Isaac? It's Isaac, eh? Divine Power. If you're called to Divine Power local church, I'm here to say to you, friends, wherever God's called you, God wants to make you fruitful. Here I am, Lord. Send me. Even the nations of the world, friends. You know, why did Jesus say to the disciples they have to wait for the Holy Spirit? Have you ever asked yourself the question, why do you say don't do anything until the Holy Spirit has come? Wait. Wait in the city for the Holy Spirit. Many people will tell me the Holy Spirit guides us into all truth. You're right. The Holy Spirit is our parakletos, our helper. Yes, you're right. The Holy Spirit is our comforter. Yes, you're right. The Holy Spirit empowers us in our weaknesses. Yes, you're right. But why did they have to wait for him? Because he said in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you so that you can be my witnesses. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. I need the Holy Spirit in order to step through the open doors that God's given me. I need the Holy Spirit in order to step into the purposes of God. 
I don't know if you've ever read the book, The Last Arrow, by a man called uh, Irwin McManus. It really impacted our lives big, big time in 2018. But Irwin McManus references this amazing passage of Scripture where Elisha, this is the last big moment of Elisha's ministry. And Elisha comes to the king, and he, and he, and he speaks to the king about embracing the plans and the purposes of God. And he t- he's actually giving the king an opportunity to go all in. To be all in. And I want to say this, it's equipped 2021. I believe God is calling the people of God to be all in. To be open throttle, full throttle, pedal to the metal. Come bro. I'm thinking of Tlaxop. We actually call ourselves Clutch Drop. Clutch Drop. It's like, hey, bro, come with me. Sorry, Clutch Drop, not Tlaxop. But, um, but I'm so sick and tired of being sick and tired. And I don't even believe in being sick and tired. I believe in being healthy and awake, right? But in verse 15 of 2 Kings chapter 13, it says, Elisha said, get a bow and some arrows. And he did so. Take the bow in your hands, he said to the king of Israel. When he had taken it, Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. You know, friends, I believe one of the ways we embrace the call of God, one of the ways we, we, we get free from playing it safe, one of the ways we embrace, we walk through the doors, is we partner with the prophetic. I love what Tyron said tonight. We partner with the prophetic. Elisha, the prophet, puts his hand on the king's hand, and the king then ends up shooting an arrow through the window into the eastward direction. In a sense, shooting it into victory. I don't have time to read it now, but you can go read it. He shot it as a prophetic picture of victory, of embracing the victory that God had for them. And one of the things I found is I found that if you want to take hold of God's plans, you've got to... You've got to embrace the prophetic. That's God's word. And that is also even the prophetic words over your church. And the prophetic promises of God. The promises of God. When you partner with the prophetic, I believe you take hold of what God's got for you. It's amazing. Because the prophetic says it's vision. It's expecting a greater future. It's not being pathetic. It's being prophetic. And so what happens is, is verse, verse, verse 17 is amazing. He says you're going to destroy the Arameans. You're going to have victory. And so I would think sometimes we have great victories, and then we settle. And so the king comes, and I believe we are all kings and priests and prophets. According to the New Testament, hello, we can all hear God's voice. We are all called to rule and reign with Christ. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of hello. And we are all priests. We've got access to the throne of grace to obtain mercy, find grace, and help in time of need, Right? So if we are like kings, we need to be able to say, okay, Lord, Lord, whatever happened to the Old Testament kings, let's learn some lessons so that we don't fall into their mistakes. Watch what happens. This king, verse 18. Then he said, take some arrows. And the king took them, and Elisha took, uh, told him, strike the ground. And he struck it three times, and he stopped. Can you say stopped? He strikes it one, two, three. Stops. Keep it here. One, two, three. Oh, you know what? I just wanted my kids out of nappies. One, two, three. Oh, you know what? I just wanted to be debt free. Now it's all right. One, your vision is too small. Now, you know what? I actually just wanted to get involved in the youth ministry. One, two, he stops. The man of God was angry with him and he said, you should have struck the ground five or six times. Then you would have defeated Aram and completely destroyed it. But now you will defeat it only three 
times. And the fear of God hit me when I read that because God said to me, are you going to stand before me one day, son? And I'm, are you going to see how much more I had for you? And you decided to stop at three. You see how many more people I wanted to touch through your life? How many more homes I wanted you to open? And how many more evenings you could have given to me, but you only gave one, two, three. And this has been ringing in my ears. C.T. Studd used to say, he says, only one life. It'll soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life. It'll soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And you might say, but Mark, you don't understand. I have given three and it's enough now. I've given enough. We've, give, we've built buildings. I've been on outreach. I've had people in my home and they use all my toilet paper and they break my kids' toys. It's enough now. I'm keeping it here now. I want to talk to KZN. I'm here to say, prophetically, our senses over this region. This region is wealthy. I'm telling you today, this region is wealthy, spiritually wealthy. There are deep wells in this region. And you know what? We've, 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 we've tasted, we've seen some of the overflow. And then we said, keep it here. It's enough now. But when God speaks to your leaders and he says, double up, double not just double buildings, double your influence, double your reach, reach beyond the region, become people that are actually known in the nations. My descendants, my children need to be known in the nations. Amen? Then Peter says to Jesus in Luke chapter 18, he says, verse 28, he says, Peter said, see, look at verse 28, Luke 18, I don't know if it's on the screen. Then Peter said, see, we have left all and followed you. And um, I've been married 19 years and two months. And I'm 40 years old. I was married, on the, I was 21 and four days old when I got married. And I want to say this to you. Friends, I'm telling you now, people have bumped my cars. People broke my car in Zimbabwe. They went on a mission trip. They blew my head gasket and, and messed up my gearbox. We had to go and tow it out of, Botswana, out of Zim through Botswana. My houses have been messed up. Our bank accounts have been emptied. And I look back today and I say, Jesus, we've given so much. And Jesus promises this to Peter. And I'm here to say to you today, I'm, I'm standing here, I feel so blessed. Every single thing I've ever given to God, every moment I've ever given, every single day I've ever given to God, I believe He's multiplied it in my life. I've experienced the fullness of God. I'm telling you, by the grace of God. He says, so Jesus said to them, assuredly, can you say assuredly? I say to you, there is no one who's left house or parents, or brothers, or wife, or children, for the sake of the kingdom of God, who shall not receive many times more in this present time, and in the age to come, eternal life. That's written in red in my Bible. It's not Mark Bailey didn't say it. My Jesus, who died on a cross, said that whatever you leave on this life, many times more, you'll experience in this life and the life to come. That's the truth. That's my Bible. And my question is, how will we respond? How are we going to respond? 
Ed Strong taught me this. He said there's four things that you, minimum that you call to. Number one, you call to a person. His name is Jesus Christ. You call to a person. Number two, you called to a people. Number one, the people that you do partnership with, your local church, NCMI, we are called to a people. God puts, puts us in partnership with others, but also we are called to a people to minister to with those people. If you find your people, I believe that the purposes and the plans of God are often unlocked in the family of God, in the community of God. And when we are connected with one another, we embrace the purposes of God and we become effective with God. But thirdly, like Tyron said, I'm called to a purpose. Called to a purpose. Friends, each and every one of us is going to look different for you than what is For Steve, it's going to look different than it looks for me. It's going to look different for all of us and you need to become comfortable in your skin. Run your own race. Run it with perseverance. And then lastly, we are called to a place. We need to get a theology of place again, friends. If you, are fi- if you find yourself in Mpangeni, KZN, you've got to be there with all your might till the day Jesus moves you on. And if you say, but riches buy, it's not so like a moiny. Then you need to ask yourself, if in Nehemiah's days, if they in 52 days could rebuild a wall that generations couldn't rebuild, how much can God do with you in 52 days? And if you're only there another 52 days, you better not live as if you're going somewhere else. You better live like you are there because you are there because you are there. Because the Bible says in the book of Acts that God knows exactly the, t- the exact places that man should live. So that men and women and people can call upon his name. That's why you are here. Amen? So I want to ask you, will you leave your comfort? Will you leave your convenience in order to embrace the call of God? Will you see the Lord? Will you worship him? Will you hear his voice? See, Jesus said to his disciples, this was Jesus' words. He said to them, come and follow me. What, can I say that again? Come and follow me. And then what does he say? You don't make you. I'll make you. You don't have to make yourself. You don't have to be all. You just follow Jesus every day. You just follow Jesus. You fo- we follow Jesus. And he makes us the fishers of men. And I don't believe that Jesus only spoke that to his disciples. He spoke, he's speaking that to each and every one of us. We are still his disciples. Come, follow me, and I'll make you disciples. Let's stand together. I want to pray for us. Thanks to the band. Could you just close your eyes for a few seconds? I'm stirred and I'm challenged when I see men and women on a Thursday night saying, you said no to something to say yes to tonight. I want to commend you. I firstly want to honor you for saying no. Andre, thank you for saying no to some other things and saying yes to Jesus. My friend Peter Bell in Botswana He said, say yes to Jesus and keep saying yes to Jesus. That's the key. The way you walk through open doors, you just keep on saying yes to Jesus. Don't say yes to the culture of the day. Don't say yes to what other people expect of you. Say yes to what Jesus expects from you. Amen? Say yes. So do you mind just opening your hands? This is a sign of surrender. And Father, with our hands open... I pray even right now as we worship that there would be a fresh, just a fresh revelation 
of Jesus. That we will see you, Lord. That we will see the one that did not play it safe. The one that, that gave all. You were all in, Jesus. You didn't just shoot one, two, three. You were all in. You said, yet not my will, but your will be done. May, may we be able to say, not my will, but your will be done. As Corrie ten Boom said, she said, the safest place to be is in the will of God. So Lord, we don't want to play it safe. We want to be safe. That's in your will. We want to say yes. So with our hands open, we say, here I am. Here I am. Here I am. Use me every day of my life. I'm not going to hold my breath for one day. One day when the kids are out the house, then I'll serve God. No, one day when I've paid off my car, then I'll say, no, no, God, today. When I hear your voice, I don't want to harden my heart. Today, I say yes to you today. Just in the worship, I want to ask you to have a moment with Jesus. Can you just forget about the people around you? Can you and I just have a moment with our glorious King? And may we respond by saying, here I am. My life is not my own. I'm bought with a price. I'm yours, Jesus. Let's respond to him.